We are the young adult ministry of Church of the Harvest, located in Olathe, Kansas. Every week, we will explore the challenges, opportunities, and struggles that many young adults face, and how faith is practically applied throughout this incredible season. For more information, visit our website or our young adult Instagram. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Harvest Young Adults podcast. My name is Royce. We're and back. as always, I'm joined by Kristen. We are back. We're back. And um, I'm super excited to just jump right into this conversation. So we ended the last podcast talking about goals and resolutions and um, and talking about how, how our mindset um, is and what, what are motives behind those kinds of things? Are we are we um, are we gospel minded? Are we renewed in our thinking, or do we carry around the, the the culture of this world in our thinking, being cynical towards everything, or focusing on the negative more than the positive? And as we talked about that, we got it in. We got into a very interesting conversation about um, restrictions that we're going to jump into here in just a second. But before we go there. Before we go there, I got a really weird question. It's one of my favorite questions, though. Oh, I'm ready. What, uh, Are you maybe ready? Maybe I'm not ready. Are you <laughs> it's like, actually, ready? It's like I say I'm ready, but really, am I okay, ready? Okay, so this is my favorite question to answer. Or actually, not to my favorite ask. question to answer. It's my favorite question to ask. So for those of you that don't know, I, I didn't grow up in Christianity. And so when I got saved when I was 21, oh, um, I had a lot of questions and um, one of the the most so I kept hearing everyone talk about this thing called the gospel, and, and then I would hear people reference these four books called the Gospels, and I searched and searched my Bible for forever, like thinking that there would be like a heading that said this is the gospel, and I didn't. I didn't ever find that like explicitly, and so I would just ask people, "What is the gospel?" and it took four years for someone to answer that clearly and a whole lot of searching and a whole lot of Bible and a whole lot of Jesus. So it's always made me really sensitive, especially as like a, a Bible teacher and a follower of Christ um, that walks with other followers of Christ to clarify the gospel. So Kristen, mm-hmm. if you had, if you were sitting at work, you're at lunch, and the new teacher that's 24 years old walks up to you and says, hey, I heard that you love Jesus. What's the gospel? How are you going to answer him? Hi, I'm Kristen. Uh, you're the new so teacher. this is the softball, this though, is, man. This, this is, is the softball. This is <laughs> okay, like what okay, okay. every Christian's dream oh, no. in converting someone to Christianity. Like, <laughs> what is the gospel? This is the law. It's the good news. Oh, it's the good news. <laughs> That's my answer. Because they no, all the know gospel, the Greek words. <laughs> the, <laughs> it means good news. Yeah. Uh, it's the gospel is Jesus coming in, paying my penalty so I can be reconnected with Christ. It's re- the story of redemption. It's the greatest love story of all time. That's how I would answer it. And hopefully she would give me a follow-up question. He or she. Yeah, he or she. Would give you a follow-up. Typically, it's a it's, she. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think, um, so there's some, there's some complexity, right? Well, wait, yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and answer it? So the way I've always, the way that I've, because I've thought about this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also think not just about how to answer it, but how, what's the mindset of most people? And even most people in the church. 
I mean, honestly, if you ask 99 people in the church what's the gospel, you're going to get 97 different answers. I was going to say. I mean, 60 of them are going to say it's the good news, and that's about as far as you're going to get. Um, that's a common one. And, and, and it's like, yeah, but what? Okay, so what, what, makes, this, what makes this relative word universally a- applicable? Because mm-hmm. good is relative, right? So, but, it, but the gospel's not relative. The gospel is universal. And so I think about the mindset of a person that's asking that question. So the, the, sim- the, the most practical way that, that I answer that question, if you said, if, you know, same scenario, hey, you know, Pastor Russ, what's the gospel? I would say that, that Jesus came to renew, or I'm sorry, to transform our being so that it might re- renew our thinking and transform our doing. That Jesus came right, to transform our okay. being. He came to transform who I am, my identity. He gives me a new being, a new identity. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer a slave to the culture, to my job, to sin, to work. That's not my identity. Mm-hmm. Now my identity is I'm a son of a father. That father, his title is God. His name is Yahweh. But that's my identity. I'm his son. And he's pleased with me and he loves me. And Jesus provided that. He transforms my being so that it might renew how I think. Right. How it, so it can renew my perspective. Now I no longer see things from temporary into eternal. I no longer see things from working out of defeat and into victory. Mm-hmm. I no longer see things from the perspective of time into a different time. But now I see things from eternity. I look at things from the perspective that God sees them. So I have a situation. It's chaotic. It's temporary. Right. I have a moment that's genuinely difficult. Mm-hmm. I can rejoice in my sufferings, knowing that because of the cross, because of the victory that was provided on the cross, that the eternal reality, even of temporary sufferings, is victory. That's right. Right? So it transform, or it, it renews how I think so that that might transform what I do. Right? I think a lot of people, they, they, either, um, they either assume language um, in explaining that. So a lot of people will say sharing the gospel sounds like the life, the sinless life, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus reconciles me to the Father, to God the Father. And that's all true. That's, that's all true. But if I've if I'm not used to if I don't understand the sinless why is the sinless life of Jesus why what is necessary about that detail it's very necessary mm-hmm. right the the atonement right the the unification that that creates that we are connected to the Father eternally is based upon Jesus's sinlessness that it was an acceptable pleasing sacrifice but I'm, if I'm not familiar with the sacrificial system. I don't get that. Right. right? I don't or know the weight that. of it. Yeah, for sure. And so it's like there's a lot of language that gets assumed in the gospel. But I think more more practically, right, how the gospel and understanding the gospel executes on us as Christians. Because, you know, last podcast we talked about um, being goal-oriented, and a lot of times we focus on what not to do. Right. Right? So my mindset is on restrictive. And so I'm—, I'm but. Even if it's not restrictive, even if it's about what to do, what we still see the variable is on doing. 
And the primary goal of Jesus was to get our focus off of doing, Mm -hmm. to get our focus off of the law. Romans says, here's the reason for the law, to show you you needed a Savior, to show you that you were going to fail, to show you that you're not perfect and you can't buy your way in based off of what you do. That's Ephesians 2, simply, right? That it's by grace alone, not by works, that we've received salvation. And when you boil that down into the day-to-day, right, Mm -hmm. Um, how much of our Christian confidence and walk with God is based or measured off of what we do. Yeah. And it's foolish. The Bible, the New Testament, Jesus is going to say, nope, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Yeah. And who you are has been provided by me. And that reminds me of, um, you probably helped me out with where in the Gospels it talks about this, but when Jesus is talking to... Um, the Pharisees, I believe. And they said, or he he told the story of like, once people die and go to heaven, it's like, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Oh. Didn't we clothe, you know, the poor? Didn't we um, heal the sick and uh-huh. whatever? And then he'll respond back and say, get away from me for I never knew you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that um, is a perfect picture of what you just explained of how even this, if those were all super good things. Like, holy cow, the people in that example, the those who got clothes and got healed and all those sort of things are positive things, but it is not a direct reflection often. I mean, a lot of times of our hearts. And right. we can do so, so many people are charitable, but their hearts are and their motives are all messed up. Yeah, and and that's the that's the crazy thing is like God is he's super patient with this, but he's determined to always measure the motive. Right. He's always measuring the motive. That so that that's this to me that's the second scariest verse in all of all of scripture. I agree. Um, the first scariest verse is Paul saying that he could preach the gospel and still be disqualified. Like that freaks me out like a lot. <laughs> it's like hopefully that's hyperbole. Like I am I don't want to know how that happens. I don't I hope that that never happens. But anyway, but like the the so it's in Matthew 7 and I'm not like super spiritual and I just knew that off the top of my head. I googled it, okay? Right. So, Thank it's in Matthew 7 though and um I do know though the intricacies of that verse because that word new, right? So you know, for many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons and and do these great miracles mm. in your name? And in the crazy thing, first and foremost, for me with that verse is he doesn't say, No, you didn't. Right. <laughs> like and, and that should sober all of us who have prayed for something and that miracle has happened. Yeah. You didn't do you didn't do anything special. Okay. Now I will say this obedience is the key to opening the door to the miraculous. And it's not because you earn points. It's not like Chuck E. Cheese in eternity where you get the tickets playing good works skee-ball and then you go cash in for the miracle. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what's happening. What happens whenever you become spiritually obedient is that you tune in to the frequency of what God is saying and doing. And so you know his heart better, and therefore you know how his hands work better. Mm. That's what it is. Because I love John's gospel, because John doesn't call miracles miracles. You know what he calls them? Signs. Mm. 
he calls them signs. Signs and wonders? Yeah, so he, well, he doesn't call them wonders. He just calls them signs. signs. And yeah, there's two distinctives to John's God. There's a bunch of distinctives, but there's two main ones. The, the I am's, there's seven I am's, and there's seven s- signs. Mm-hmm. And one of them is very famous just because it has the shortest verse in the New Testament. Jesus wept. Yeah, Jesus wept. It's John eleven thirty five, And in that con- the context of that is Lazarus has died. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. And this is very practical on the ground whenever we talk about the miraculous, because everybody gets all up in arms about the miraculous. And they should. The miraculous is something that God does, but he never does it to entertain you. So let me ask you this. Lazarus dies. He's dead for four days. He is stanky. There's a very big significance for why Jesus chose four days, and it had to do with the Jews and their customs, and they believed that the Spirit departed after the third day. So Jesus was making a statement going on the fourth day. He was flexing a little bit. But he raised Lazarus from the dead, okay? He raised him physically from the dead. He came out of the tomb looking like Zombie Laz, all right? So Zombie Laz is alive when Jesus raises him from the dead, Everyone is astonished by it. What happened to Lazarus later? I mean, is Lazarus still hanging out with us, or did he die again? I don't know. He died again. He died again. He died again. <laughs> wow. He physically died I mean, again. In my mind, so I was here's like, the point. He die? I don't think I remember him going up anywhere, being caught up for anything. I was like, he died again. So sure why did Jesus raise him from the dead? What was the sign pointing to? Because that's what signs do. Signs point to things. What is the resurrection of Lazarus pointing to? That's such a great question. Because I'm I'm thinking about, like, man, this is like, I'm getting nervous. My hands are sweating. It's like, I don't know, like, what was happening? But he did talk to Martha about, you know, him being Lord of the... Because Martha came back like, yeah, I know, you're the... You're the, what if did you would have just been here, if, like no, no, no. But she said, yeah, I know. She was kind of like, if you would have just been here, but yeah, I know. You're like, you're gonna raise everyone up when you like, yeah, come again and all that sort of stuff. And he said something like, yeah, but I'm the resurrection now. I am. Yeah, that, I, I am I the resurrection. Am the resurrection. Yes. So, but the body is secondary to the spirit, mm. and the sign that he's pointing to by using Lazarus's body is, look, if you can trust me with your body and to resurrect that, you can trust me with your spirit, which is greater. I can take you from spiritual death to spiritual life, and that's eternal. And that's where everyone misses it whenever it comes to miracles. Mm. We think, here's the trick, here's the, the catch, okay? If you if you if you attend a church weekly, if you if you come to Church of the Harvest in Olathe, Kansas, or in Independence, or you go to a different church, and you think that if your pastor this this Sunday got up and said, "Hey, everybody, we're taking a field trip. We're going down to the local funeral or funeral home. We're going to go down to the local funeral home and or morgue, and I'm going to raise people from the dead," and they went. And they did that. They prayed in Jesus' name and rose people from the dead. If you think that you would have a stronger faith, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. And here's why. Because he, God does that every week with people's spirits. Yep. 
and it doesn't if it do, if that doesn't bolden your faith if that doesn't strengthen your faith do not think that the lesser thing will yeah it will not it will fade Yes. And so when we think about the miraculous, when we think about God's love, when we think about the gospel, we've got to think about the larger, the bigger picture. And it's all about, right, seeing things from heaven's perspective. Because the Bible doesn't say anything. Like I think about the Red Sea a lot. Mm-hmm. The Red Sea was a great deliverance. But it doesn't say anything in the Bible that all of heaven rejoices when the Egyptians we're crushed in the Red Sea. No, it says that all of heaven rejoices whenever one sinner comes to repentance. Yeah. And in, in the knowledge of who Christ is. Yeah. And that knowledge, that word knowing back to right, the miracle like the miracle conversation, like they did those things. But those things were done as signs for the other people. Like God will use someone to cause other people to fall in love with him or for his glory, mm-hmm. right? Um, but just because you're used for God's glory doesn't mean you're in God's heart. Right. You're and, you're in his hands. Yeah, and that's... That's crazy. I, I feel like that, um, you know, I don't know if, how far we want to get off into this, but just... As, as far as we can. Uh, just a small um, point, like when people will say like, well, did you hear about that one church or that pastor or that whatever? Like, how are people getting saved? And then you kind of find out later that... You know, that pastor's character, or he did oh, something, yeah. or whatever all, that yeah, was. No, listen, people are people, bro. That's right. People are people, and they're all fallen. And, and no one... Agreed. You, no one's... Look, I get that, that as a pastor, I understand the significance of uh, what it means to be a pastor and a spiritual leader to to others. Um, but listen, we all have the same pastor. His name's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... That you know what that allows? That allows for you to be a human being. Right. It allows for me to be a human being. It allows for me to understand you're gonna disappoint me and it allows for you to understand I'm gonna disappoint you. Yes. That doesn't mean that we don't love Jesus, and that doesn't mean that we're not trying our best, but it definitely does mean that we're human and we need sanctification. We need the empowerment of right. the Holy Spirit. We are in desperate need of God's grace. Right, but I'm I'm saying, um, so yeah, in general like pastors, you know, make mistakes for humans, people. But I'm saying like for pastors or spiritual leaders who intentionally know what they're doing and still it seems like, wow, people are still getting saved or people are still um, being delivered. Like how, how is that, you know, and, but in, but in what you're saying, I'm connecting it to what you're saying is just because God choose God, just because God chooses to, show himself in those areas and the grace and mercy that he gives for the people that are impacted and do eventually grow closer to him, which is awesome. That doesn't mean that the motive of that person from the beginning was something that connected to the Lord's heart. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, I think the common thing among, at least among preachers and pastors that we say is, you know, um, God used a donkey and there's other names for donkeys obviously um in your king james bible you can there look is. it up yeah um but you know god god used a donkey to talk you know um so there's that yeah. <laughs> he can use anything <laughs> yeah but but the you know the 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 difference though in that statement between the doing and the knowing right so that word uh i never knew you mm-hmm. it's um it's actually the a word that's used for intimacy i was gonna say yeah, so it's gnosis. I think so. Um, and so it, it's like, yeah, you did those things, but you did them disconnected from my heart. You didn't. You weren't drawn into me. 
And I think, too, a lot of people get caught up on that being a feeling. And I always want to be careful because let's understand that the greater thing in the kingdom is not feeling. The greater thing in the kingdom is faith. Like faith is what pleasing God, is right. what pleases God. And so you being connected to God's heart, I'm going to be really honest with you, for a season that might be a feeling, right? As God's trying to get you to a place of growing you from feeling to faith. Like knowing that the cross of Christ is powerful enough to keep me. Yeah. When I don't feel it, I know by faith that I'm in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and being sensitive to that. Right. And and walking it out relationally, um, because and that's where. So I, I said in the last podcast that I wanted to talk about um, the the gospel and and the the right um, way to think about the the restrictions that get placed. Because a lot of times, if I'm honest, we don't feel like we're in the right place in the heart of God because we we don't fit into or we feel like we we've. Uh, gone into an unrestricted area, or that we haven't gone into an acceptable area enough. And mm-hmm. so again, we kind of go back into this performance mm-hmm. measurement. Um, and there is a uh, there is a bit of, like, there's a lot of language, right, that Jesus uses, you go and sin no more, right? Um, I tell you that, or, you know, the law told you that committing murder is a sin, but I tell you that anyone who... Gets angry. Yeah, gets angry and, calls you know, calls his brother, his brother a, fool. a fool is, you know, as a right. sinner. So it's like he grace is actually much more difficult in practicality than law. There's more to it because it is. It's not about the hands. It's about the heart. Right. And, um, but, but let's talk about, though, because Jesus was very clear. He said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. One of the I am statements that he gives in John 14 is I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Those, those words for life, okay, they're more than just like, the, I guess the best way culturally we can understand this word, it's, it's the Greek word zoe, and it's, it's life more abundant. And if I had to define that, I would literally have to just contrast it because some people survive and we know the difference between surviving and living. So if, if my mentality is, I just got to get through the day, I just got to get through the season. That is not what Jesus desires for our life. Right. Right. And so if we're constantly in this space and place of trying to please God by our performance, we kind of get into this survivalist mentality, Hmm. right? And that life more abundant, right? The thriving. Yeah. Like I think about that so much because... You know, no matter how much stuff we acquire in the world or no matter, like, have you ever found yourself like in a season that you prayed to be in and discontented that you're there? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. (laughs) Like, that is so crazy because sometimes you're praying like, God, just... Oh, if I was just this, here, it'd be amazing. Yeah, like just work in yeah. this, work on this behalf. Like, Lord, I'm just believing for this. And then it happens. And then it's like... Wait, that didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't think that it was going to look like this. And why do I feel this way? And if we go back to remembering the prayer, it's like, oh, perspective. But sometimes we forget yeah. what we prayed for. And we forget that, wow, actually the Lord is working this out. And it should be a moment of huge gratitude. But we forget. So in in, <laughs> in C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, a great book, um, he, he, he uses that 
type of of uh, scenario to contrast, um, or, or to rather infer, right? That and what he infers from it is is that if nothing on this earth eternally satisfies me, then then it shows me that I'm made for something more than this world, right? That and that's. That's the inference that it goes to. And a lot, of, a lot of times, like, I'll be really honest with you, if we're not careful to know that beyond the restriction of what you shouldn't do is a far greater reality. Like, I've been, I've been married for 11 years this June, mm-hmm. okay? I was not... I didn't. I wasn't a Christian growing up, and I didn't have a moral compass at all. Sex before marriage was a thing, and so, but I knew, I knew that religiously, right, or scripturally, I'll say it that way, that sex before marriage was wrong. I didn't know why. No one could really even answer that question for me. It wasn't until I got into my marriage that I began to understand how important trust is whenever it comes to intimacy and how trust gets decimated. Subconsciously, most of the time, it gets decimated if you go into unrestricted areas out of disobedience. Mm -hmm. And God's not saying don't go there. He's saying, no, 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 there's a future over here and this is where you want to be. Because everyone's greatest desire to be fully known fully known and fully accepted yeah that's if all of our lives are chasing that reality to be most infinitely and entirely known and most infinitely and entirely Mm. accepted and all of the do nots that happen in the new testament even in the old testament they're pointing to this is a better way. Mm -hmm. There's more life here. When Hebrews says that he's the author and the perfecter of life, that's what he invented it. He knows how it works best. And he's saying, no, 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 I don't want you to not enjoy something. And this goes back to the Garden of Eden. This goes back to, oh, well, did God say you shouldn't have? No, he actually didn't. He said, no, you can eat of all of these fruits. Don't eat that one. And what he's saying is, Life is in all of these places. That's where death is. I'm trying to save you from that pain. Don't go there. And he's a good dad. And I think we get that mixed up. And it turns into rules. Mm -hmm. It turns into, I'm back at mom and dad's house. And they're not, you know, like, I got all of these restrictions on me now. And it's like, no, 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 no. The restrictions provide the resources for your purpose. Right. They provide the resources for your joy. These things provide the resource. These restrictions provide the resource for your peace. Right. Like if you're anxious, maybe just look at are you are you really focused on you? There's there's a there's a sin that's associated with that. It's called pride. Martin Luther said that the mother of all sins is pride. You focus on you, it's going to produce anxiety. You focus on God, it's going to produce peace. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you yeah. focus on Him as He reveals Himself 
through Scripture and in through everyday life. And it's an, it's crazy how when that becomes the fuel for your doing, right? When yeah. that, but it comes out of knowing who you are. Right. It comes out of knowing no matter what, right? Jesus came. He died for me. He He poured everything out, and he bought me into right relationship with God. And I didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't work my way into it. I'm not going to work my way out of it, and I'm going to accept it. So, So good. Appreciate you guys, and we will catch you next time. Peace. See ya.